Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, hello. Hello. Here we are at the top of the episode. Who would have thought? Uh, I know. Just, you know, sometimes uh, you got to record a little intro. Jenny, uh, you know, really wanted six slots for 12 plus noms. And so now you have to reap what you <laughs> sow or something uh, and tell us all of the results for yeah, all yeah. of those noms, slots. 150% your slots, 150% your noms, as I always <laughs> say. Okay. In sixth place. Sixth Ooh, place. Lots of sixes happening right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With 6% of the vote. It's Dupre and Loving Lula. Nobody is into this. No, nobody. Almost nobody. Literally, Lula isn't into it, so none of us are into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In fifth place, with 10% of the vote, it's Jack Willis and the case. (laughs) I love that these two pairings got 16% of the vote together, though. Yeah, yeah. People were divided. Something for everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In fourth place, with 13% of the vote, it's Mulder and Scully. (laughs) <laughs> upsettingly for me yeah. in third place with 16% of the vote it's special agent fox Mulder and moose how could you betray me so dear listeners i thought we were of one heart in second place <laughs> okay i like this with 20% of the vote professor varnes and sharing terrible macabre stories <laughs> with people he just met i love that he almost climbed to the top of this pile <laughs> it's really quite yeah. a feat you know maybe with fewer noms in the mix he might uh, have won he could have pulled it off but in first place with 36 percent of the vote this is very this is very of the pod, isn't it? Yeah. This is very of our listenership. It's Lula and being an independent woman slash criminal. Go, go, Lu- run, Lula, run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take Chase that your money bliss. and run, baby. Take uh-huh. that insulin and get out of here. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Uh, Lula and the concept of being an independent woman criminal uh, will both get their awards in the mail. <laughs> and last but not least... You probably know this by now, but we have two pretty big live events happening this September to celebrate a little anniversary. Jenny, what's what's the anniversary happening? Oh, it's just the 30th anniversary of the premiere of The X-Files. That's reunion pay dirt, baby. That's what they say. <laughs> we will be in Boston on September 9th taping Darkness Falls with special guest Melinda Lowe. So yes. fucking excited. And... Brooklyn on September 10th with special guests Sarah Benincasa and Rishikesh Hirway. It's going to be so fun. For those of you wondering if we are streaming any of the shows, please tune in to next week's episode because we are going to be streaming New York and we will tell you about all of those details next week. Okay, so if you don't live in New York and you don't live in Boston and you need to see something, 
something's coming your way. So just hold mm-hmm. your breath. Don't hold your breath. It's a long, that's a week. That's too long to hold your breath. But too, way too long. Way too long. Kristen. But just, just listen in next week and uh, we'll have those details Indeed. for you. Cool. Yes. Uh, but you're probably thinking, wow, a week is so far away. What am I going to do to fill the time? We have like a, you know, approximately a two hour answer for you right here. Hell yeah. <laughs> Apply this podcast directly to your time wound. <laughs> I'll never forget Mulder coming down from the witness stand and Brian turning and saying he'd get Mulder. Tell you the truth, I wish Mulder had killed Brian right there in the warehouse. Welcome to The X-Files. That's The E-X-Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of The X-Files one by one, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching The X-Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex-wife of Jenny Owen Youngs, and I wasn't married to Jenny Owen Youngs long enough to have gotten to watch The X-Files yet, so I've only ever seen (laughs) 16. Today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 16, Young at Heart, which Jenny and I talked about off mic. We both kept typing Youngs at Heart. (laughs) It can't be helped. (laughs) Young at Heart was written by Chris Carter and Scott Koffer and directed by... Michael Lang. Do you know what else Michael Lang directed, Kristen? I don't, Jenny. Tell me all about it. Four episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (gasps) Which four? Pangs. Wow. Surprise. (gasps) Massive episode. A band candy. (laughs) Oh my god. And hold on to your butts for the headliner. It's Bad girls. Holy actual shit. I'm so glad I didn't look it up. I'm so happy to be surprised in pod. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a quite Uh, a list of episodes. I know, right? Also, you you read them completely out of order, which was so hard for my brain. Like, you... Started with- well, I read them in order of ascending importance. Okay, okay, yeah. I was like, when you started with Pangs, I was like, wow, that's an interesting first episode to direct in the series. Right, right. But right. then you like scooted <laughs> back a touch. Um, wow, that is that is delightful. How fun! So he was like, is he cutting his teeth on this uh, episode? Like, is this a is this in the beginning of his career or is this like what you're I know I don't know why I'm asking you I'm shouting into the voice he also oh my god while I was looking at his credits Mm -hmm. I was like oh he's also he also directed a bunch of episodes of the OC and I like went (gasps) to look up the list of episodes and he had directed the episode I had just watched the previous night he was like "Ah, the the O period (laughs) SEA the (laughs) C under the C themed (laughs) dance 
episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. I still have on my list uh, of podcasts I would like to make a podcast about the OC with Latoya Ferguson. It's it's really in there. It's it's the thing that I would like to tackle someday because I have never seen. I would listen. OC. Yeah. Uh, so well, we have at least one listener. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You and Latoya are one of my favorite podcasting duos. So. <laughs> uh, and hey, uh, Young at Heart originally aired on February eleventh, nineteen ninety four. This is the one where, according to IMDb, a criminal believed to have died in prison years earlier wages a vendetta against Mulder. I would like to posit that it is a sexy vendetta, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, producer Latoya Ferguson gives this episode a scary rating of one out of five funerals for Fox's friends. Apparently, Latoya completely unbothered by, uh, you know, the regrowth of an amphibian hand where once a human hand sprouted. The use Latoya of- says, bring it on. Latoya says, observe my amphibian hand. <laughs> it is i latoya salamander ferguson oh my god stop making stop trying to make salamanders scary (laughs) the use of the salamander fingy in this episode is off the charts (laughs) like off the charts when they thought they had reached capacity they said can you crank that harder we'd like some more salamander fingy in the shot um yeah 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 all right jenny big thoughts on this episode you know, <laughs> I was thinking something that that Latoya was also thinking, which is, didn't we like just see a version of this episode? Kind of like, didn't we just see someone from one of our duo's past <laughs> come around and ultimately perish? Yeah, <laughs> during a case, and you know, I-, I don't know. It just it just feels like a little like put these episodes at opposite ends of the season or something you know this is a how many episodes are in this season is it 24 yeah because it it like feels to me someone who is only has only learned about television through watching it and podcasting about it uh that like this season would have been really cool as maybe a 20 to 22 you know like i i think i think i'm feeling like i didn't need this one there were things in this one i needed but they weren't a whole episode, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. I will say I will say Barnett is almost up there with Cecil's Lively for me. In t- he actually winks and then adds a little kiss to it. He's really giving you the old razzle dazzle oh yeah he's having a great time there's one at one point he picks up the phone or Mulder picks up the phone and all barnett does is moan at first just (laughs) you know the closed captioning barnett moaning (laughs) (laughs) so like uh, you know i agree i just feel like again i just feel like there could be some consolidation which would really give us a little more bang for our buck here um we're gonna have plenty of moaning and kissy noises to talk about as we get into it here but we begin um at the uh, tashmu federal corrections facility in the year 1989 so the year is 1989 which just made me realize jenny that 1989 is also the same year that 
the pilot stuff was happening started. It was the class of 1989 in oh, the pilot. And I yeah. only remember that because it is an album title of oh, Taylor Jesus. Swift, which is what started my whole original Taylor Swift's mm-hmm. 1989 might contain the secrets of the X-Files. Yeah. You think there's any uh, connection between what was going on here in 1989 and the class of 1989 over in uh, Oregon? I mean, I could see it. I could see a connection, you know? I think uh, maybe, I mean, I think this is just a doctor doing experiments, but also what if he's an alien doctor? That's not off the table. That's never off the table, actually, for me. Never. Even outside of the X-Files in any show. Are you a person or are you an alien person? I don't know, you know? Anyway. It's good to keep that at the front of your mind, I think. (laughs) Always be analyzing. There are apparently no guards at this prison, was my first note. I was like, Crandall can just go wherever he wants. I don't think that's Whenever how it works. in the middle of the night, he's just like, do, 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 do. And then he's like, I'm going to open this door behind which I hear screaming. Sure. Yeah. I mean, based on my research on prisons, which was primarily watching the show Orange is the New Black, I would think that there would be more guards in this prison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in the middle of the night, Crandall hears all this screaming. And he pops into the laboratory where Dr. Joe Ridley has uh, inmate John Barnett on the table. And his right hand is lopped clean off. I wouldn't call it clean. I mean, maybe clean. Lopped off. Maybe the incision is clean, but the fucking bloody mess everywhere. We've gotten several emails from doctors, Jenny, who are willing to come in the pod to talk to us at any point about the uh, accuracy of medical things portrayed in the show. So I think that we'll likely be calling upon them here and there. Um, my question yeah. here, I don't I don't have one of them on call right this minute, but my question here is if you amputate an, a hand, is it this bloody in the operating room? Because I just really felt like it would be cleaner, you know? Well, maybe, you know, if you have a staff and you're doing things above board, <laughs> You have the material, all the materials sure. you could possibly want for an amp- amputation, but maybe uh, Dr. Joe Ridley is flying by the seat of his pants, hoping for the best. I'm not a doctor, but if I was going to do this with no staff, I would just um, put a really, really tight rubber band, um, you know, right above the, the place where I was going to cut to minimize the blood. So, right, right, a rubber band. Sure, sure, sure. So sure. if anybody wants to give me a degree, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's hard to imagine feeling less threatened. Uh, then I feel on behalf of Crandall when Dr. Ridley holds a scalpel to his neck. Dr. Ridley is, he needs to take some in- intimidation classes or something because <laughs> yeah. I was more scared, you know, when he wasn't doing that. I, and I feel like it should be the opposite. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Of course, we learn in this scene that Barnett is not dead. Uh, his eyes are quite cloudy, but he is blinking them uh, just like an alive person would blink them. Yep, yep, yep. Do you think that um, Crandall and Barnett were boyfriend-boyfriend in prison? Uh, yeah, I think it's, there's a decent possibility. Right? I feel like it was like kind sure. of implied that they were maybe mm. smooching a little bit, um, which I, you know, I like for them both. Yeah, And I'm kind of sad that, like, given youth, Barnett didn't come back to do any smooching with Crandall. Just left mm. him left him there in Tashmu Federal Corrections. Um, anyway, blink, blink, credits. Scully and Mulder have been called <laughs> by an old friend of Mulder's from Violent Crimes. How many old friends and previous love interests do these two individuals 
have and why are they all clustered here at the middle of the season <laughs> uh reggie purdue who is enjoyable oh, and a good time may he rest in peace honestly i was really bummed i was hoping that the salamander yeah. hand just choked him a little bit and that he was alive yeah. but it did alas. alas uh reggie's got something that's gonna blow Mulder's mind no one I turned to Avanti when we were watching this scene it's so Reggie and Mulder are talking about this thing that they know about and Scully is simply standing there just trying to keep up <laughs> she's like who are you talking about and I was like this is sometimes what I feel like when Joanna and Jenny talk about a television show that they know about and I'm just like what who how <laughs> oh you know Sorry. No, no. I I mean, you're just having fun, which is what Reggie and Mulder are doing here. But Scully is <laughs> literally like, what are you talking about? Um, what they're talking about is um, that Reggie thinks a Barnett adjacent person was actually the person who robbed this jewelry store because of a little note left behind for Fox <laughs> Mulder. Well, first, there are the far less compelling details of the jewelry clerk was shot after she filled the bag. So that's part of Barnett's profile. Also, witnesses put his height at around 5'11 to 6'1. That doesn't really feel, but they're like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah. And then we've got this frigging first of many notes. Oh, my God. Fox can't guard the chicken coop. Yeah, there is something very something about this note. Fox can't guard the chicken coop had a little power to it. I was like, oh, that's like, that's kind of fun. A fox can't guard the chicken coop because the fox will fucking eat the chickens. And then the notes just progressively get stupider. Just, just, they just... (laughs) Like, I was like, could this man have just, like, looked up sayings that have to do with foxes and tried a little harder for us? Also, generally, a fox would not guard the chicken coop. (laughs) True. The the fox would be combating forces that would be guarding the chicken coop against him. Yeah, Barnett needs to work on his, you know, if like, Jenny could do a good job with this. If the fox had two pennies, you know, or if the yes. fox had a matchbook or... Or if the fox uh, walked along the beach and then looked back <laughs> at his paw prints. <laughs> uh, um. But alas, this is what we have to work with. Uh. You know, it's probably like, you know, when you have a crush and you're like, mind just breaks and you make all kinds of uh, yeah. nonsensical sentences. Yeah, that's what Barnett's going through right now. Um he Barnett has killed seven people and this was Mulder's first ever case at the bureau he worked with Reggie who was his ASAC I looked that up it means assistant special agent in charge does that mean if you're not the assistant you're just a sack you know what I mean like oh my goodness SAC um Mulder had a theory he was kind of right but Barnett was steps ahead of him and when they caught him an agent died. Uh, Mulder says it's because he screwed up. We are going to learn a little more about what actually happened in this exchange. But what we learn in this scene is that Barnett went to jail for 340 years and he died in prison four years ago. So how could he be writing really horrible? How can he be <laughs> writing really silly notes to Mulder? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So first stop, handwritingologist. 
Hello, handwriting analyst Henderson. Hello, indeed. Mulder's antsy for results. And Henderson says, 10 minutes might be enough for you, Mulder. Of course, I wouldn't know that from personal experience. Zing, zing, zing. Zing, zing. And also flirt, flirt, fucking flirt. So this uh, actress, LaToya, told us this this is Christine Estrabrook. Um, she's another future Desperate Housewives alum following Felicity Huffman and Harriet Sampson Harris. Uh, and I fucking love her. Uh, also, LaToya says she rules. It seems like anyone who went over to Desperate Housewives just really is banging because those two were also my favorites, Felicity Huffman and Harriet mm-hmm. Sampson Harris. Um, oh, yeah. She is just so close to Mulder for both of the scenes that they have together. Their heads are so close together and she's like flirting with him. I feel so hard, but also so coolly, you know, she's doing the like flirt of like, I don't care about you, dude. Like you're hot. And like, I'd take you to bed, but you could also just take the, you take yourself out. I don't care. Whatever. So she says the note is 48 hours old or less Mm -hmm. written with a ballpoint by a righty. Written sitting down, but now I'm just showing off, she says. She says she's 95% sure that it's a match with Barnett's handwriting. But the ascenders and descenders are heavier. And overall, it's a little sloppy, comparatively. I find the study slash expertise slash ability to look into the details of someone's this, that, and the other through handwriting very fucking cool. And probably something that's going to become, you know, less and less. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> that just really bummed me out. But yeah. And they leave again. Flirty. Mulder says, I owe you one. And Agent Henderson says, promises, promises. I love her. <laughs> I would go on a date with Agent Henderson in a hot second. Uh, you two kids have fun. <laughs> So Scully is watching the tape. So up to this point, all we've heard is that Mulder screwed up and an agent died. But Reggie is showing Scully the recording of this that was like in the garage where their initial confrontation happened. Um, Barnett took a hostage. We learn later it was actually his accomplice that he used as his hostage. Um, And so the, the book, the Bureau, says you cannot shoot if somebody has a hostage to try to preserve the hostage's life. Uh, So Mulder didn't shoot, but then Barnett just started shooting, um, hitting a direct hit to the hostage and then shot an agent. Um, Mulder did shoot him eventually, but uh, not before those two folks died. And this is when we learn about that agent, Steve Wallenberg. No wonder Mulder has become such a rule-bucking bad boy. Honestly, I mean, he's I was thinking, Jenny, in this episode about how many people we've seen already that Mulder has lost. Um, You know, like it's the list is long. And like, I imagine that if you've worked in because he at some point was like at least tangential to the violent crimes unit. You know, they're working pretty close with um, 
violence and the risk of their lives and the lives of the people that they work with is always pretty high. Um, but like knowing that even just inside of this episode, we hear about the loss of this agent that he knew who had a like wife and two kids and he carries that on his shoulders. And then the fact that like inside of this episode itself, he also loses Reggie, who is another person very important to him. Um, it's just that's it's a lot of loss that really stacks up. And uh, I was just thinking about it this this episode. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen a lot less, but Scully has also lost a lot. In just like the last handful of episodes, she lost her dad. She lost her ex-boyfriend slash former instructor from the agency. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And like this hyper folk. I mean, these both of them are, you know, we see them at the FBI more than we see anybody else at the FBI. Right. The show's about them. But they're working around the clock. Uh, and. And there's been conversation about how they don't have lives outside of this because this is their life. Uh, And I just, you know, I wonder or I hope, I guess, that we'll get more of that relationship that they have to the work, too. You know, that when you work to escape your own emotions and your own losses and your own personal stuff, that's very real. That's something I think a lot of us can relate to. And I'm sure that in a high pressure job like being a fucking FBI agent there's probably some other side to that for a lot of folks that is getting away from some of the harder things in their life outside of that job. Anyway. I come here to get away from... Yeah. For this? From this? Shut up. Shut up, Kristen. Stop talking about loss and life. What? No. No, I I was saying I come to the pod to get away from the pressures of the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I'm glad that this is a safe space for you, Jenny. <laughs> um, so Reggie says to Scully, I'll never forget Mulder coming down from the witness stand and Barnett turning and saying he'd get Mulder. To tell you the truth, I wish Mulder had killed Barnett right there in the warehouse. We'll get to see that. Uh, in a flashback later but the vi- the general vibe is it's too bad that Mulder followed the book on this one because everybody wishes mm-hmm. that this guy was dead yeah Scully reporting in with Barnett's death certificate she is wearing an incredible suit Mulder is standing in some angel lighting with the uh mini blinds casting Stripey stripe shadows. Ooh, I wonder if that's when Barnett takes some of the photos because the photos that Barnett has are (laughs) similar lighting. Uh, And (laughs) Scully says, You did the right thing, Mulder. Did I? Steve Wallenberg had a wife and two kids. One of his boys is an all star on his football team now. I pulled that trigger two seconds earlier and Wallenberg would be here to see his kid play. Instead, I got some dead man robbing jewelry stores and sending me haikus. The first thing I'd like to discuss about the sound clip that you just called for, Jenny, is the pronunciation of haikus by Mulder. Haikus. Yeah, this definitely has driven me to Google how to pronounce haiku. It has to be haiku. You think Mulder's correct and the rest of us are wrong? I've never heard it. I don't know. He's a... He's a cultured he man. He is of three the world. steps ahead of everyone else, so maybe he knows something we don't. Okay, according to my cursory Googling, the results I'm seeing are haiku, not 
Haiku. Haiku. However, open to being wrong. Potato, um, potato. Haiku, haiku, you know? Yes, totally. <laughs> That's, I always say both of those things. Um, Get a load of Mulder on the bleachers at football practice, clasping his note in a Ziploc bag in the open air. Okay, yeah. I have a lot of things to say. First Tell of me. all... You said that Mulder had the death certificate of Barnett, but what you didn't say, which is important, is that the cause of death was cardiac arrest. Put it in your pocket, save it for later. The other thing I'd like to say, Jenny, is that when this man said Steve Wallenberg had a wife and two kids, one of his boys is an all-star on his football team, I did not expect to cut to a football game between eight-year-olds. I really did not. I I know. (laughs) I was like, like, what? I was prepared for... uh, High school on the scholarship track. Hell yeah. You know? They like, uh, like, I feel like it must have been that they just couldn't get enough. Like, there had to be, <laughs> se- it does not make any sense to have him describe this kid as an all star on his football team and then cut to Pee Wee football. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, all respect to seven and eight year olds playing football, but I just, it just really was a mismatch for me. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you're right. Like, he has the note in the open air, but also, why would he go to this football game? Why? Is he trying to bait Barnett? Like, what? I don't understand why he's at this game. It's very weird. Um, I also kind of don't understand why Barnett is <laughs> at the game. <laughs> Other than, oh, clearly he was like, hey, 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 I bet Mulder will think of Steve Wallenberg's children and then show up at this point. So, so funny. Mulder, who has learned absolutely nothing from his encounter with Phoebe Green's cassette tape drop, <laughs> left his car unlocked, it appears, and he finds an envelope inside containing a fresh note. A hunted fox eventually dies. I'm just picturing Jigsaw now. I'm just picturing the little guy from Saw on the tricycle leaving these notes. I don't even know what that means. And then several candid surveillance photos of Mulder and also one that Scully is in. I assert that Barnett, because he has a crush on Mulder, selected the most flattering photographs these are gorgeous of fox they're these so are, they're sexy surveillance pics i call them glamour shots i mean they are stunning yeah. the man could use these for like if he needs to audition for something he's got his headshots right here yeah do yeah. you think this yeah. just is david Duchovny's headshots they were like nah we'll just use those <laughs> <laughs> um uh, Mulder freaks out and starts doing a uh jennifer love hewitt fuck yeah it's exactly my note i was like what is this jennifer love hewitt son of a bitch just screaming at the sky yeah yeah birds flapping away from trees everyone at the peewee football game turning around to see who just screamed i'll get you you son of a bitch (laughs) also jenny credit where credit is due to fox Mulder. He did lock his car before Phoebe Green left the tape there. That was the whole thing, was that he was like, I know I locked the car. Totally. But, like, if you ever were going to forget, like, like I feel True. like that experience would make, make you, like, triple check every time. True. And I don't think that those salam- that salamander hand has, like, a Swiss Army kind of, like, lock pick attachment. But what attachment. if it did? Uh, okay. 
Oh God! Also, Fox Mulder, I think, got a haircut because we really, we really did oh, uh, see a lot. His of... His hair is not looking. No, it's not good s- in the zap. I mean, I mean, it's looking tidy. He's it's, always hot. It's just not standing as high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not at its best. So, of course, the last shot of this scene after Mulder screams a la Jennifer Love Hewitt at the sky is the reveal that the man in the ear flap hat is uh, also wearing some foggy eyes on that head of his. This is Barnett. Everybody, Just think about this scene, Jenny. If Mulder, okay, uh, Mulder just said the sound clip we heard, dead man robbing jewelry stores, sending me haikus, then Mulder leaves the office at the end of the night and finds this note in the car. Isn't that enough? Why did we do this? Moving on. <laughs> well, then, well, well, then, who would overhear him yelling? <laughs> Everyone in the g- parking garage, you know, he would yell in the mm, parking okay. garage, and then hiding behind a little cement wall would be foggy-eyed Barnett. Anyway, at- there are a lot of details in this episode that feel unnecessary. <laughs> This is like, the Chris like, Carter staple, perhaps. Yeah, I feel like the Chris Carter episodes are the ones where I'm I'm always taking like the most notes, but like having the least information. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, that's like, I mean, Chris Carter is like the head bitch in charge, right? So probably if you're not the head bitch in charge, you have people kind of saying like, hey, actually, probably we don't need to do it like this. But maybe the issue here is that nobody is uh, above Chris Carter saying, Hey man, we probably don't need to get an entire peewee football team, which also kind of doesn't make <laughs> sense because you just said, whatever. They're like, sure, Chris, whatever you want, bud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just thinking about how many episodes we know have already gone over budget so far this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So Reggie thinks somebody is messing with Mulder's head and Mulder of course says Burnett isn't dead actually. This upsets Reggie because he's heard rumors about Spooky Mulder, but he thought it was just talk. And now Mulder is sounding spooky, talking about Barnett being alive and yada, yada, yada. This is when we get like the beautiful mind segment of the episode when we learn (laughs) that like Mulder was just three jumps ahead of everything and he let a lot of people down at the bureau. They had big plans for Mulder uh, and now he's become an embarrassment, a liability. Yeah, Latoya was asking us if we have seen Mulder be three <laughs> steps ahead of anything. Cut to and Mulder I feel turning like... a map like five different ways trying to <laughs> yeah, read it in the woods. Definitely not while navigating by map. <laughs> uh, he did know that the time zone of California was different than the time zone in Washington, D.C., so he does have that going Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his one thing. Um, we've been told that uh, Mulder has a beautiful mind. And we've seen him have hunches and be right about supernatural things, but I don't think we have seen much in the way of him being three steps ahead in like a sort of conventional way. Yeah, I mean, I think the vibe is like he's three steps ahead when it comes to aliens because everyone else isn't walking towards the aliens. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's unconventional. So it makes sense that he's in front. And that's right. And that, yeah. <laughs> he's unconventional. And that's like cool. And it gives him an advantage on cases that happen to wind up being supernatural. But I don't think he's like doing wild math equations on a see through chalkboard yeah. with his markers, you know? Yeah, it seems like anecdotally we've been given a lot of information about him being an incredible profiler. And like, so I think when he was in the violent crimes department, he was probably 
destroying, but it's a little different over here in the X-Files. He's really good at being a spooky Mulder, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but it's just hard to close these cases when the aliens, like, beam away. Yeah, and Scully never sees it. Um, (laughs) Speaking of Scully, she, according to my notes, enters Scully in a mint green skirt suit. It's a good look. We like to see it. Yeah, the suit is good. And and this is where she says, hey, guess what? Barnett's last will and testament left everything to his boyfriend, Joe Crandall. Um, He was allegedly cremated. His ashes were spread along the bank of the Delaware River by an employee of the crematorium. Is that something that employees of crematoriums will do for folks? Uh, Seems above and beyond. (laughs) Seems a little odd. I am thinking about this. We've been seeing a lot of ashes and hearing about a lot of ashes being dumped into bodies of water. What do you think the percentage of like a given lake or river in the United States is um, human ash? Oh, my God. And and like as f- folks who swim in lakes and rivers sometimes and accidentally swallow the water when you don't want to, how many human <laughs> ashes do you think that we've all consumed? Right. It's like you eat eight spiders a year in your sleep and then you probably swallow uh, two tablespoons of human ash. <laughs> two tablespoons. Jesus Christ, Jenny. <laughs> the this rivers is... and lakes are choked with it. This, this this brings to mind, actually, of a long time ago, I used to do a little segment at the top of Buffering the Vampire Slayer called Spooky News. And it started because of a fucking story about a girl who baked her grandfather's ashes into a batch of cookies and gave them to her friends. And they all unknowingly ate her grandfather or grandmother or whatever. Dude. And I was obsessed. I was like, wow, I thought I was goth. This kid really nailed it. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um. Anyway, something important is about to happen, Jenny, because I've named the next location the Enhanced Department, and you happen to have yeah. written us a jingle for this department of the FBI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this computer operator pulls up a pic of Barnett and Special Agent Fox Mulder says, Holy hocus focus, get it into focus. A simple incantation to bring illumination. Add some weight. Add five years. He could be wearing any kind of disguise. And so the technician adds a beard. But like by like... Like, is she clicking B for beard? And, like, the more she hits the B, the bigger the beard gets? Because that's what it appeared to yeah. me. Capital B, B, B. Little M for mustache, capital B for beard. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is, if you are out there oh God, it's so and good. you know anybody who does whatever this job is or, like, whatever this job has become now... Could you write us an email and just like give us the basics, please? Hello. Any information would help. Hello at bufferingcast.com. Please tell us. Do you work in the enhanced department at the FBI? Please tell us yeah. what it's actually Let us like. Uh, or call 1 800 enhance enhance. We did have somebody write in. I don't think we've talked about it since. Somebody wrote in and said after we talked about Beyond the Sea and the newspaper, the fake newspaper that the FBI creates to trick Luther Lee Boggs or try to. And somebody wrote in and said, 
yes, I have it on good authority that there's a whole department of people creating false documents. Our listener, Allison, knows someone in the FBI. And every time that we ask a question about what actually goes on at the FBI, Allison dutifully asks them to give us commentary. <laughs> so we actually have an in at the FBI. Thank you so much, Allison. Nice. For your, for your We're work. basically special agents. We, We've I, been yeah. hired and promoted. <laughs> Um, okay, so while after the enhancing happens to add years and a beard, um, we then Mulder flashes back to the trial itself. So we get to actually see what happens. Barnett, okay, this actor, David Peterson, is playing the older Barnett, and I just need to give the man kudos where kudos is deserved. He is a creepy motherfucker sitting. What a creep. Oh, uh. he nails creepy motherfucker uh, so well. And he's sitting there while Mulder is giving the testimony. He explains, you know, pretty much everything that we've learned, except we do hear that, like, he didn't just shoot the agent. He shot him in the face. He shot the hostage at point blank range. And then basically the woman who's asking him to report this to the court closes the interview, the questions, and Mulder's not done yet. He has more to say. He gunned him down just for survival. Your Honor, we object. Witness will step down. There's a man with a wife and two Sir, small children. And you you shot him without hesitation, without conscience, without an ounce of humanity. Your Honor, do something. Which is why you should die like an animal, Agent you Mulder, son of a bitch. Stop. Tell us how you really feel, Mulder. Oh my God. Somebody please give me a, a like stitched cut of Mulder screaming son of a bitch with Scully screaming son of a bitch because she just screamed son of a bitch oh, yeah. like last week or two weeks ago or something. So let's, yep, yep. let's put them side by side. Let's see who's got the better son of a bitch scream. You know, I'd like to know. <laughs> oh, my God. After Mulder sits down next to Reggie, please, Jenny, tell us what happens. Barnett? Looks back at Mulder and mouths so deliberately, I'll <laughs> get you. And then he winks and kisses to a wink and a smooch. Wow. In this economy, unbelievable. Both. Oh my God. Unreal. Hey, guess what, Jenny? <laughs> Fucking Scully called to do more research about the death of Barnett, which I find very amazing and important because yeah, the Scully, encouraging. yeah, the Scully I knew from episodes past would have been like, "He's dead, Mulder. He's fucking dead." This Scully <laughs> said, "Well, why don't we ask a few more questions?" And um, he was admitted to the infirmary for an infection in his right hand. And on his physical that he was given just six months prior, he was given a clean bill of health. So guess where we're fucking going? We're going to Tashmu Prison. Let's go. Let's talk to Crandall. This is where I was like, oh, they were boyfriends. They're like, so you were like really close to uh, Barnett? And Crandall's like, yeah, I used to change his bandages. So we got to know each other pretty well. <laughs> like, I have a question. What bandages? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he from his gunshot wounds gunshot from wounds? Mulder, and why? That's a really fast turnaround from um, arraignment to trial and beginning of sentence, right? Or like the bandages. Like, was Doctor Ridley doing experiments on Barnett before he oh. amputated his hand? 
I don't know. Importantly, what I think he means by changing bandages is smooching. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Crandall immediately, when uh, Mulder and Scully start asking him questions about Barnett and Barnett's death, is like, he ain't dead, is he? Um, And they're like, why would you ask that? And Crandall explains the scene that we saw at the opening, that he saw John Barnett, that Dr. Ridley had taken his hand clean off, and that Crandall saw Barnett look at him and blink. I'll never forget those eyes, he said about his boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is like catnip for Mulder. Mulder is so stoked. Mulder, like this is catnip. But later when we learn about Salamander Hand, I've never seen Mulder have more catnip than that moment. He literally is losing his shit on the couch. But first. But first. Ring, ring. It's Barnett for Fox Mulder. He's all, I own you i'm everywhere the choices this (laughs) this younger actor is making oh my god remember what i said to you in the courtroom where is where is barnett calling from barnett has found a dark closet where he takes the phone but then leaves the door cracked and it's like light (laughs) outside the door so this vertical slice of light is like falling like just on his eye it is really something he loves the drama uh he he says you want confirmation you got it and then i think there's not a closed captioning but it sounds like a kiss noise i listened back to it like eight times it's a fucking kiss and Mulder doesn't say it was a kiss like scully's like so what is that Mulder's like "Mm, i don't know but i know it's john barnett and we're all like that was a kiss that was the sound of a kiss (laughs) He also says, uh, Barnett is from New Hampshire. 
and he yeah, like check out this plays new hampshire back with, accent okay i live one and a half miles from new hampshire mm-hmm. and my wife grew up here and we both were watching this like what what is that supposed to are they trying to say that he has a new hampshire accent and that that is it? And that we just heard, <laughs> heard it? I was so confused. Uh, also, the only other thing that I want to talk about in this scene is just that, like, when Barnett calls and Mulder picks up the phone, Scully says at, like, nearly full volume, I'll run a trace. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think that doesn't, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure you should be. And then Barnett is like, just like, I know you're tracing this yeah, call like, yeah, we because I heard do. Scully say it. Really laughed. <laughs> oh, oh, we have to go oh, no. to Reggie's okay. room. But it's about to be very sad, but first, Reggie, I love you. You're asleep at 1045, just like me. Mm-hmm. If someone called me at 1045, I would be like, it's the middle of the night. What do you want? This is like actually, now that I'm thinking about it, like this is a good job in this scene of like making us feel more attached to Reggie than we even did in the previous scenes. Like, of course, he's at home and he he's in his bedroom, but there's something very endearing about the fact that he's fallen asleep at 1045 and that Mulder like pokes him for that. There's something like very vulnerable about your glasses falling to the floor. I loved that they like, because I just assumed like, oh, he's going to step on his glasses or whatever. And I love that they actually yeah. didn't go any further than that. It was just like the glasses fell and it made us, the viewer, be like, oh no, Reggie, he's like, he can't see well. And a really good like direction and points in the scene to make me feel very protective of Reggie and very upset at his death. Yeah. If only real life was this efficient. They have a conversation about how the note was written right-handed, mm-hmm. but then there was an amputation of Barnett's right hand. And then no time wasted. A weird <laughs> salamanderian right hand grabs Reggie by the throat and we mourn Reggie because he was a cool guy. Salamander hand kills Reggie. I hope in like 15 years somebody plays a game with me where they just pull one sentence out of various notes and say, what do you think this means, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking an unfortunate thought mm. uh, as I was reviewing my notes and the unfortunate thought was that and we can take this out if you want, if it makes you want to die, Kristen. Uh, that if Barnett hooked up with someone, they might get a salamandy handy. And I myself want to die for saying no, it. No, I love it, Jenny. That's exactly but, but also, my kind you know, of humor. If it was 2023, he could start an only an only man's man's an only man's. <laughs> Account. Oh my god. Somebody fucking call Rishi. He's requested an aisle five. <laughs> no, Rishi wouldn't even R- Rishi would kick that out of bed. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So cut to Mulder is so sad. And this is this is actually what made me think about like how much loss we've already seen uh in this show. He explains that Reggie's wife died of cancer six years ago. He was working on a mystery novel. Reggie! Reggie! And, um, you know, Mulder posits again how different things would have been if he had taken that shot at Barnett when he had it. 
Um, and, you know, this is like, again, we really haven't gotten into the psychological impacts of working a job like this and how over time they accumulate and likely contribute to mm. decisions that perhaps you wouldn't have made without the history of career behind you. But I'm very like, this was a moment for me where I'm like, ah, okay, so next time, and of course, this is what we see at the end of the episode, he is going to take that shot. And that's informed by all of this emotional experience from this previous thing. And how do you do a job like this without sitting under the weight of all of the things that have come before? And that that is very interesting to me. So I hope we get more. Yeah, that is interesting. It does. It does feel we haven't been exactly here before, but I do f still feel like, man, um, the ghosts of everyone's past right. <laughs> coming to visit and like having an impact. Like it just like feels slightly redundant, but also. I'm just I'm just remembering that like this was a time when, you know, you weren't getting a binge drop of a season of TV where you got like mm -hmm. all the episodes at once. It, and it wasn't even like, you know, TiVo time. Like yeah. if you were going to miss the X-Files, my friend, you had to program your VCR to automatically start taping when it's supposed to air. And then you would pray that when you <laughs> when you got home. Uh, that it would have worked. Yeah, and, and that like fine. no one else in your, your household would have taped over it before you got to watch it, you know? Yeah. So just all that to say, like, there's not as much expectation placed on the audience to know every single thing that has happened in the series up to this point, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, they want you to be able to drop in. And not feel like you're, you know, missing huge things. And so I think a certain amount of repetition figures in mm -hmm. yeah it is interesting when you think about that when we watch these shows I mean I feel like when we went through Buffy we didn't maybe see as much of that because it's a very different show um but just thinking contextually about watching a show from 1993 30 years later there's a lot of difference in how television is being made how stories are being told for various reasons mm-hmm um funeral for Fox's friends then for Fox, Barnett, Barnett, what? you're not even trying. You are not trying, man. You know, I should have probably thought of some good Fox things to write, um, but I didn't. So I'm sorry. Luckily, we get to go back to the sexy handwriting office again. Yes. Hello again, Henderson. This is so cool. Okay, so she's like definitely right-handed and Mulder at this point they know if this is Barnett and Barnett isn't dead, he shouldn't he at least shouldn't have a right hand because Crandall saw it amputated. Um yeah. but Henderson says that the style of writing is pretty fluid. He would need dexterity. A prosthesis could not have done this and then she takes it up a notch. She's this isn't even her department, but she just wants to let Fox know that she knows that he didn't ever get any prints off of the notes either. But if this guy was wearing a glove, the note would not be smeared like it is. So no prints on salamandy hand. Right. You're telling me salamanders don't have fingerprints. Well, it's not like a salamander's hand. It's like salamander cells. Right, right, right. I really re when they. Okay, we're not there yet. Because I didn't notice the hand. I'm just going to be real with you. Like, I didn't really notice it until the reveal. And what are you looking at right now, Jenny? Did you look up salamander hand? 
I googled, does a salamander have fingerprints? And here's what I found. (laughs) The spots on adult spotted salamanders are like fingerprints (gasps) on human. Each salamander has its own unique constellation of markings, which can be used to tell that individual apart from all the others. That's emotional. Why did you do that to us? I feel (laughs) a lot of feelings. Poor salamander. Just trying to have fun. Just trying to have fun. Okay. Um... I don't even know what I was saying. I feel too emotional about salamanders and their unique constellations of spots. Oh, I know what I was saying. I was saying that when we learned about the salamander hand, I literally thought we might get a reveal of like a human arm with a tiny little salamander hand. Like, you know, the SNL skit where they have like the baby hands that stick out of their little sleeves, the tiny hand skit. Mm -hmm, Yeah, I thought it was going to be like that, but with like a teeny tiny salamander hand. It wasn't. (laughs) All right. Dr. Ridley has not been a doctor since 1979. Uh, He was booted from the medical practice for flagrant research malpractice. He was doing experiments on young children with progeria. Mm. We go to the National Institute of Health. Now, we haven't even talked about this uh, off mic, but this, I love a good slideshow. I love a good video. Progeria is a real disease, um, and the use of film. So to set you up, if you haven't rewatched it, there is a, a video clip of a child that has progeria. I don't know. I didn't look into this footage. I don't know what it is, where it comes from. You know what, how it was made. I don't know. But what I do know is that we didn't need this footage, and the footage seems very like it. I went to Coney Island uh, a couple of days ago and I was thinking about like the carnival freak show of it all. And I feel like there's some element of that vibe in the way that this video is used. And I don't like it at all because this is not some like made up whatever. Like this is a real disease and it feels like it's very much couched in a look at this like look, look you know i understand the the use of progeria because of the age of it all and like finding the fountain of mm-hmm. youth and that that is interesting to me but i really didn't like this footage being used i do want to just let you know that i just found a note on the wiki mm-hmm. that the footage of the young girl with progeria was filmed after the production crew contacted the progeria society and were put in touch with the family of courtney arciaga mm-hmm. who was a young girl with a disease she and her family were fans of the series oh. and were flown from San Diego up to Vancouver to shoot the scene. Okay. I mean, that a, is nice a... for that person, <laughs> and, and I'm yeah. glad to hear it. I, But, you know, the larger implications, it just feels icky. It just felt icky to me. I do like that. I'm glad that you looked that up, though, and that we know that. But I uh, didn't like it. I think, too, it's... Oh, like... the episode originated as a script from Scott Coffer, and then Chris Carter rewrote it. Oh, interesting. Which included the addition of the salamander hand. <laughs> Chris was like, we need one more thing here. The script is good, but it just needs more salamander hand. It's more salamander hand. Oh, my God. I really hope more salamander hand becomes something that we say in the ongoing podcasting of this show. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I'm glad to have that information because I do think that that is very cool and very cool for that family and very cool for that girl. But also at the end of the day, it was the director's choice of like how to frame those shots and how to use that footage. And I think they could have then used that without it's very it's the way that it's shown. It just felt not great to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not her. I'm not her family. But just from a disability place and from like a 
folks with disabilities connected to, you know, the history of like freak shows and things like that. It just had that flavor to me. Clearly, uh, if you have thoughts on that, write to us. Hello at bufferingcast.com. Um, like I said, I am very into the idea of this doctor, you know, trying to find the fountain of youth through a disease that ages folks rapidly like the science of that and the you know like that as an idea I think is very interesting one one thing I will say is that finding a way to create new footage definitely feels better than like licensing existing footage that like might exist without having to like get consent from the people who appear in that footage totally totally um and just a quick aside, uh, Courtney Arciaga lived until the age of 33. She died in 2017. Oh, wow. So recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, according to her family in this San Diego Union Tribune article, the she was the oldest person in the world with progeria. Yeah, I was reading some um, about the about the disease and um, that a lot of folks die quite young, but that that's interesting because I read about the person who had lived the longest and I wonder if I was reading about that about her oh and just didn't know it because I was reading on the like progeria wiki which clearly would not you know I don't know that it would feel the need to tell me that Courtney was also in an episode of x-files when I'm reading about what the disease is and how it impacts folks but all this she was also prom queen and over the span of her life met Jerry Springer and Leonardo DiCaprio okay I'm done done scanning this article all this to say uh dr ridley wanted to start human trials to do research and the doctor that's talking to Mulder and scully is furious at dr ridley he says that dr ridley didn't care about the kids and he said he said himself that it was a wonderful opportunity to unlock all of the secrets very very gross um he was called dr mengala by uh, other doctors in the department which is a reference to a doctor who did horrible deadly experiments on prisoners at auschwitz during the holocaust um and he secretly went ahead with the human trials even when it was denied to him and that's when he lost his license but as we learn then he just went to belize and started doing illegal experiments there so we've got a Scully and Mulder walk and talk, <laughs> doing a little uh, kick the ball where Mulder proposes that maybe Barnett is disguising himself as youthful. He could be wearing any disguise, including youth <laughs> or a beard. Those are the two disguises. Um, uh, and Scully is not having it. She says, that's science fiction, my friend. This is cool because Mulder's like, you would have said the same thing about cloning, artificial intelligence, et cetera. Just like a real heartbeat of this series, of course, is going to be like, why is it not believable for this thing to be real? All of these other things that were once not believable are now real, right? Like science fiction isn't always fiction. You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, I do. Sometimes 20- it's actually just science. Uh, hell Yeah. Jenny, I'm so excited in my notes. I didn't just call this the enhanced office. I called it the LOL enhanced offices because I I can't (laughs) handle it. We're going back. She's going to hit the uh, shift and then the Y for younger. Every stroke of the Y takes one year (laughs) off of Barnett's face. That's how this works. Yes, of course. And add a healthy 20 pounds. I looked at Avanti and said, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't <laughs> care for that at all. Pounds. 
Um, they print out like I just one more thing on the enhance of it all. Like at some point in this episode, when they're at the cello concert later, they're like, look through all the printouts and the idea of these FBI agents having a stack of printouts from this woman's computer, him with a beard at age 70, him skinnier and younger (laughs) hit. Like I just could not get over it. It's so funny to me. Okay. I'm friggin' with you. God damn it. Okay. Cut to a romantic scene. For those of you who don't know, Jenny has been doing something on our social media platform called X and the City, where she pairs an image of Scully at her computer with Scully's entry. But instead of it being written in a Scully-esque way, it is written uh, a la Carrie Bradshaw, but with all of the Scully facts and figures. It is delightful. And um, I thank you for your service, Jenny Onyoungs. It's my pleasure. You can find you can find those on Instagram. <laughs> this will be making an appearance. Uh, she is housering out or bradshawing out about de-aging stuff. But she has she's done something a little special this evening. Tonight's not like other nights, Kristen. That's true. Uh, with the uh, computer diary, she's lit some candles. She's got a candelabra going. <laughs> I love that later she's moved this candelabra to the table when they're all talking about the salamandy handy. Uh, sorry, salamander Un- hand. <laughs> salamandy handy is a different thing. Unbelievable that she moves the candles. Speaking of the salamandy hand, the Barnett, youthful Barnett, is entering into Scully's apartment. She thinks she hears something. And the reason I bring this up, because I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, scene generally but i would like to talk about the fact that he is wearing a glove which i think might be a special salamandy glove and we already know he doesn't leave fingerprints so it did he just get a special glove to keep his little salamandy fingies warm is my question maybe maybe he leaves um sort of like a sticky trail (laughs) and he feels self-conscious about it maybe uh when scully hears something her gun is once again all the way across the room. Always. My heart is in my throat as she moves towards it. Thank God she gets to it. Okay. I think the score here is banging. There's piano and there's a spooky kind of chant happening. It's like uh, some really it's feeling very Catholic. And my question for you, Kristen, is how many times has this poor woman had to draw her gun in her own home so far since knowing Fox Mulder? Honestly, my other note is she looks so hot. Um, she looks so hot at the computer with her glasses on, and then she takes her glasses off to uh, pick up that gun uh, and move around the house. Oh, Scully. Candles lit. Looking good. There's a knocking at the door, and this is what throws Scully off, because in her mind, she's like, oh, I thought I heard someone in the house, but I guess I just heard somebody, like, coming to the door. It's mm-hmm. Dr. Joe Ridley. Thank fucking God. The only life Dr. Joe Ridley has ever saved is Scully's, and we thank him for his service. Yeah, yeah, just this once. And so she opens the door with gun drawn, and he's like, ah, I'm just here to, like, talk to you. And then Barnett hides so he is high it took me a while to figure out what happens here he hides in the house and he just stays in the house like Mulder comes over they have the whole conversation with Ridley and that whole time young Barnett is in her house 
Ugh. Fucking Ugh. gross. And he didn't, then he did it. He wasn't even intending to kill her. He was intending to just like find a more dramatic way to kill her at a cello concert. <laughs> Uh, I guess so. <laughs> cool. Okay, so it turns out that Dr. Joe Ridley only has about a month to live. A month too long, if you ask me. He's been doing his little experiments on himself, but uh, unfortunately has made him vulnerable to uh, cardiovascular issues. Yeah, and the only person that he ever did these experiments on that did not have these issues and early death was Barnett, his one miracle patient, John Barnett. I would like to say that I love this actor's performance in this scene. It was very interesting to me because the first scene that he has where he holds the scalpel up to Crandall, I was like, not at so all. Bad. It was so bad. But then... Robin Mosley is this actor's name. This scene I loved. It like, it just, the glasses were really good. The look was good. The line deliveries were very interesting. I just thought he did a great job. I agree. This is, <laughs> this is also where we learn. So Barnett had a varied treatment. It has something to do with myelin. Listen, I didn't do any research on it. I died. It was too much. The science went off the charts for me. I just said, leave yeah, that yeah. to the medical doctors. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you were able to grow John Barnett a new hand, says Mulder. Not a human hand, says Dr. Ridley. Scully, I'm afraid to ask, what kind <laughs> of hand did you grow? Mulder is like, if Mulder could be in a little ball on his tippy toes on Scully's couch, he's so excited. He's like, oh my God, a salamander? We don't even have an X-File on the salamander hand. This is a yeah, new one. Yeah. He's like, I can't wait to get back to the S section and get my Sharpie out in a, in a crisp new manila folder. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Uh, Clearly, Dr. Ridley explains, the man who owns the fountain of youth controls the world. A tale as old as time. A tale as young Mm -hmm. as time. A salamander tale as regenerative as time itself. Nice, Jenny. The government was financing this research. Of course they were. Fucking 1-800-DEEP-THROAT, please. Please meet me at the local (laughs) bar. I would like to talk to you. You can tell where they're meeting is a bar because there's a sign (laughs) over the bar that says bar in neon. Yeah. Yep. And they have two beers. They ordered two beers. (laughs) Two beers, please. Yeah. Yeah. What does Deep Throat have to fucking say? That, that oh apart my from God. the government Barnett, sucks. Barnett stole Ridley's research. The U.S. government is trying to buy it from him in exchange for money, immunity, and safe haven. Deep Throat doesn't care that Barnett is a murderer because he could change the course of mankind. Deep Throat is like the narrator for the government, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Does he not care or is he just like sitting on the side of the stage saying, you know how the world works, Mulder. This information could change the course of mankind. Of course, the government is evil. I'm just not convinced. You know, I don't know how Deep Throat feels. Mm, Okay, okay. Back at Scully's place, Kristen. I know. I thought for a second she got a bath. I know. The shower is running. She's in a bathrobe. She comes out of the bathroom Will this woman ever get to bathe? 
No. Will they ever think of a way for Scully to be in her home besides almost bathing and typing in her little computer diary? They're like, what do women do? They write in their diaries. They take baths. Oh, my God. They light candles. They light candles. They were like so excited. They light candles. And once a year, they cook a holiday dinner for their daddy. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Yeah. So she. So there's. This is some technology that might be new to Mm, some listeners. True. Uh, Back when we had landlines and uh, physical answering machines that would take phone messages, you could call from somewhere else when you were away from home and punch in a code and hear your own messages. I don't understand. I don't think that the technology was there yet in 93. This is a straight up tape cassette in there, I think. I think the only way you can hear these messages is from the house. But Scully says to Mulder that someone like hacked into her messages. I thought, okay, so I actually don't know. And this is bummer since we're the podcasters and no one else is here with us. But I thought that she came out to the messages playing. But you're saying that the that he was playing the messages. Because that's why I was like, oh, my God, was he hiding the whole time in the house? And that's how he played the messages? No, no. Scully hears someone dialing into her answering machine. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, and she says, uh, according to the wiki, she also spots Barnett's fingerprint on it. She spots it. She sees it. Um, <laughs> she does it. She she has the the thing it's printed, dusted. Yeah. So how did I'm confused? He was in her house, and then he, he what looked at the buttons to see. Which ones were the dirtiest and then guessed the order that she presses them? Like her code? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he called, maybe he gave a little ring-a-ding to the ghost in the machine to get those details. You know what I mean? Oh, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, listen, so whatever, okay? Sometimes we know what happens in the show we're talking about and sometimes we don't, but we figured it out. (laughs) That's what happened and he but also it doesn't like fully make sense no, in our defense it doesn't yeah in our defense chris carter just fucking came into this room demanding more salamander hand and we're just trying to sort it all out okay yeah what i would like to say is that on dana's answering machine she doesn't say hi this is dana leave a message after the tone she says hi this is dana scully leave a message after the tone such a formal lady you know, I just feel like that's a yeah. very Dana Scully-esque thing to do. She's all business until she's not. Her mom left a message for no reason or something like that, Scully says later. <laughs> and her friend Kathy left a message to be like, see you at that cello concert. <laughs> at 152 Main Street. <laughs> Where I will be sitting on the stage and hopefully a piano tuner will be there to help tune the piano sitting next to me, Kathy, the cello player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Scully talks to Mulder. Like, she catches him up on this whole message situation. She waves her answering machine at him and says, I found Barnett's left index print on my phone. And just then, ring, ring. It's Barnett again for Special Agent Fox Uh... Mulder. (laughs) Barnett groaning. Uh... Like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? What happened? This is such a such a funny choice. Your new friend Ridley. Don't grow too fond of him. He's gonna die soon. No. Like the rest of your friends. In case you didn't watch this episode recently, I want to make sure you understand that while the moaning is happening, while the Ridley <laughs> is gonna die monologue is happening, 
in this same spot in his closet with the door cracked and a beam of light on part of his face and the rest of his face in the dark, he is taking his largest salamander fingy and just he can't stop touching his chin. He's touching his bottom lip. It's going out of frame. You think it might be gone. It comes back into frame. It is the most dramatic use of a salamander finger ever in the in television history. I literally wrote, I cannot with this finger. That's one of my notes. Yeah. Um, uh, clearly, we all go, us, Scully, Mulder, and the entire FBI go to the cello recital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got a squad. You got to know this place inside out. Blah, 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 blah. Barnett just happens to be working as the piano tuner. We assume he, you know, offed the actual, like the I regularly guess. scheduled piano tuner. But yeah. still, tuning a piano is like a skill. And this is like, you couldn't just in 1994 hop on YouTube and be like, how to tune a piano. Not that like that would even like, you know, it's something you have to like, I think, learn how to do like the, Like, it's not just like beep, 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 beep. Right. I mean, to be fair, it's a process. To be fair, he does know that no one will ever play this piano at this concert. You know what I mean? Like, he's oh, yeah, probably yeah. So just he's, he's probably not worried about being on disrespectful. Some... Yeah. <laughs> but he at least like maybe he stole the piano tuner's tools but he at least like knows how to yeah, tighten a string it's true well he put it he put away the first tool in his salamander hand and then he took he unfolded the other thing which was a piano tuning tool to get in there right right right, right. um okay this is scully's first time as a target she is thankfully wearing a vest, something that they didn't think of uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Mulder, Jenny. Mulder. Oh, yeah. Looks at Scully across the crowded room, all the fancy cello concert attendees milling about, and they make very significant <gasps> eye contact. And Mulder winks in a way that is not creepy like Barnett. It is actually very sexy. And I would like for yes. them to get their jingle, please. Jenny. Kristen. This man, Barnett, walks out with giant gloves on his hands, looking yeah. every which way, with his hand <laughs> down his pants. The entire FBI is there. What are we doing, people? First of all, why are men always putting guns pointing down their pants? A little thrill. Well, keep you on your toes. I don't think I've ever seen a woman do this. No. It's really, yeah, I guess it's like if you really want to take take your life into your hands or in a manner of speaking, I'm stressed out for him. Once he clocks Scully, he is still kind of far away from her and just starts shoving people out of the way and pulling the, the gun out of his pants. Why not just get closer without arousing suspicion? He loves the drama. He loves it. He literally yeah. throws two people out of his way before he takes yeah. out his gun. Oh, yeah. Is this protocol, FBI protocol, to scream gun? It feels very, like, legit to me. Because that's what Scully does. She screams gun and throws somebody out of the way and takes... Two, it looks like she takes two bullets, but they really focus on one after this. She gets shot twice. <laughs> I knew, just so you know, I knew, I didn't even use my crystal ball, and I knew she was going to get shot. At the open of the episode, I looked at Avanti. I said, Scully's going to get shot in this episode. <laughs> and then she did. And you were right. Right. <laughs> okay, after shooting Scully, Barnett takes the cellist hostage. Barnett's taunting Mulder. 
Go ahead, man. Shoot. What are you afraid of? Jerome? You're right. This is Cecil part two, this man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's all like, ah, the research. I'm the only one who knows where it is, whatever. And then Mulder just shoots him. Fuck yeah. Fuck Thank yeah. God. Scully opens her eyes. Her pearl for Kevlar. falls off when she opens her eyes. The <gasps> thing that we caught over here. Okay. At the hospital, doctors are trying to prevent barnett from dying and um there there is a man allegedly from the cia questioning him did you recognize that man i didn't the credits told me like when i looked to the um imdb or wherever i was looking i was like oh because i i looked at it in between my two viewings yeah and i was like you can't smoke a cigarette in the er it's true and i and because of that i did not know that this was the smoking man but it is the smoking man Live, live, he's saying, live, live. Where'd you put the file? Stay alive? Can you, like, what is he saying to him? You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so a little Scully Mulder moment, a little moment for the mothership. This is important. We should play this clip. It's very pivotal. Oh, yeah. Mulder, I know what you did wasn't by the book. Tells you a lot about the book, doesn't it? And then they look at each other for so long. Are you calling for the significant eye contact? I'm not. Jane? I don't call for it. It's not mine to call for. I'm just saying they look at each other for a long time. John Mark, you better pop that jingle in here. I'm not going to have Jenny Owen Youngs look at me and tell me how long these two look at each other and not give them a second jingle. Throw it in. And then, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> the salamander hand makes a fist and opens and makes a fist again and opens and Barnett flatlines. R.I.P. Unless. And there's this very like suddenly Susan. What's the, it's not suddenly Susan. What's the Madonna movie where she like stores her stuff in an airport locker? I don't know. Okay, I'll look that up while you talk about the last scene. Mulder and Scully have a little chat about how nobody knows where the research is. If he didn't destroy it, someone will definitely find it. Uh, the camera very deliberately cruises through a train station and then comes to rest on a locker. Got to head over to that locker soon, Kristen, so we can access the Fountain of Youth. And Mulder says, I feel like we haven't heard the last from John Barnett. Mul sounds like Mulder has a crystal ball, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called Desperately Seeking Susan, which I should have remembered because I actually talk about it in Angel on Top where I was desperately seeking Sajan, my boyfriend from Angel, the television series. Oh, right. Desperately Seeking Susan is a movie starring Madonna and there's a locker like this in it. And for some reason that really struck me and uh, reminded me uh, of this. Okay. So we're to believe that in Locker 935, the secrets to youth exist. That's where they've been stored. Yeah, we should head over there. Okay, yeah. Locker 935. Desperately seeking eternal youth. Speaking of seeking. <laughs> nice. Well, you had to reach for that one, but you did it. Why don't you come on over here with me into this candlelit corner for the Sexual Tension Awards? Welcome back to another installment of the Sexual Tension Awards. Hooray! 
Today, I have used my godlike powers to carve a fifth slot in the mountain mm. where we <laughs> carve the slot. I didn't even know that we were at a mountain. <laughs> yeah, well, mount sexual tension. Wow. No pun intended. <laughs> oh my God. In, sl- <laughs> in slot number one, sometimes a relationship is, uh, you know, all about moaning on the phone and winking across the courtroom and making little kissy noises. A phone moan and a salamandy handy, you know what I mean? That's right. Uh, So slot one is up for Muldy and Barnes. Oh, man. Barnes wants to kiss Muldy so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In slot number two, potential actual boyfriends making the best of a bad situation. We've all been there. It's Crandall and Barnett. They were roommates in prison. (laughs) (laughs) in slot number three sometimes what you're looking for from a potential mate is uh you know some heavy a senders some heavy d senders i'm already something a little sloppy (laughs) what i said i'm already turned on but then you said something a little sloppy and i got confused (laughs) (laughs) in slot number three it's henderson and Mulder. hell yeah In slot number four, romance is not dead. Light the candelabra and come with me now (laughs) to vote for Scully and writing in her little diary. So much tension. I know. She's making it special. She may not have gotten to bathe, but at least she lit some candles. (laughs) I also noticed that she has an entire teapot sitting next to her computer, which is really sweet. (laughs) And it's slot number five. <laughs> in slot number five, uh, they can't stop gazing at each other. It's the mothership. It's Mulder and Scully. Mm, two significant eye contact jingles inside of one episode. It's undeniable. Please, please, we need to know what you think. You're a part of this process. It's not just me saying dumb stuff and Kristen hooting along with me. It's also you making your voice heard in our democracy. So please. Head on over to bufferingcast.com slash STA. That will lead you to this most recent Sexual Attention Award poll so you can cast your vote. Do it. Thank you. Sexual Attention Award. Kristen. Jenny. How are your eyes? Are they too milky to gaze into an amethyst globe that glows from within with answers? No, my eyes are crystal clear. I am aging rapidly and my eyes are clear. (laughs) Perfect. Let's head over to... Kristen. Yeah. Most pressing question of the episode, considering what we went out on. Do you think we've heard the last from John Barnett? I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. My crystal ball is in direct conflict with Mulder's crystal ball. Um, they disagree oh, okay. on this okay. matter. I think John Bar I think that's it. No more John Barnett. Goodbye, John Barnett. And your glassy okay. eyes. Uh okay. Jenny, I have been meaning to occasionally look into my crystal ball to 
try to figure out what the next episode might be about knowing nothing but the title um and oh yeah i thought this might be a good place to start that i'm not promising i'll remember to do it every week but the next episode is called ebe not to be confused with eve another episode that was earlier this season <laughs> this is eve not eve <laughs> and so clearly EBE stands for something. So I thought about it. I uh, consulted the crystal ball and I have three things that came up. And listen, honestly, two of them don't make a lot of sense. And one of them makes absolutely no sense. But this is what I came up with. All right. I'm ready. Extraterrestrial Bureau of Education. Evil begets evil. <laughs> And eggs Benedict energy? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I got. Um, I love all of these things for different reasons. <laughs> so it's either going to be about aliens getting educated. It's, uh-huh. Or it's going to be a deep exploration of how evil begets evil. You know, deep thoughts. Or it's going to be about eggs Benedict in some way. And I don't know how. These all seem like equally likely guesses. Jenny, um, I do have uh, many submissions to many is a bit exaggerating, but I do have several submissions to the crystal ball email uh, address. If you want to ask the crystal ball a question, you can crystal ball at bufferingcast.com. I'm going to let you, Jenny, decide. Are we going with short and sweet or uh, deep and thinky? Since we just had two short and sweets, let's do a deep and thinky. All right. Melissa wrote in to the crystal ball. Hello from the great beyond. I was once an avid X-Files fan until my life was tragically cut short by the evil machinations of space. I now wander the earth as a disembodied floating space ghost, adhesing my half-melted ghost face onto unsuspecting (laughs) space generals for reasons known only to redacted. Since I met my gruesome end before I was able to finish the series, I have questions that only Kristen can answer. Please, wise Kristen, consult your crystal ball and impart this knowledge to me, a humble ghost face. Does Fox Mulder ever find his sister? If so, when and how? Wow. I told you, deep in thinking. And also a beautifully written email. Incredible. Thank you, Melissa. I do think. I can't believe we got an email from a space ghost. How did a space ghost email us? Space ghost, coast to coast. I don't know. Writing on okay. a tablet. You know what I mean? Probably worked sure. with Patrick Swayze on Melissa's ghost skills and was able to pick up that tablet and do a little boop, 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 and, you know? <laughs> so um, my crystal ball says that Fox Mulder does find his sister. Um, this does happen. Um, I think. It seems like the crystal ball says that this will happen. Um, mm, This is confusing because it's like, okay, season three or four, but also it seems like it's before season one. Like it feels like it's in a later season, but at an earlier time than we are now. And I don't know what that means. I can only tell you what I see. How? The crystal ball actually doesn't have anything for me, but I, Kristen, am going to say, okay, if Fox is finding his sister and he's finding her in a later season, but at an earlier time, there must be a portal involved of some kind, some kind of time fold, some kind of bendy thing. Something happens that lets Fox access his sister. Okay. I love it. It's not like the aliens return her, you know? 
Right. <laughs> he has to go get her. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he has to go get her. But it's not like like to me it's not like okay, so Mulder like gets beamed up to space and gets his sister. It's like more folds of time. I don't know. Folds of time also doesn't feel quite right, but it's like something like that, you know? Portals. Okay, yeah. You get me. Fold of time. Or space, maybe. Folds of space. I don't know. (laughs) Thank you so much. I celebrate this. Thank you so much for asking uh, the crystal ball your question, Melissa. Uh, A big question. A question that I'm sure I'll have varying opinions on. Me and my crystal ball while we crack open our beers and watch the show together. Indeed. And do you want to do the short and sweet? Oh, you want me to do both? To wrap it up here? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I I meant one or the other, but sure. Um, Hi, CB, writes Megan. That's short for crystal ball. (laughs) I know. Okay, great. Well, some of our listeners might not have followed. Do you think we'll ever see Scully in jeans? If so, how would you feel about that? What other outfits do you see in her future? Um, Yes, I absolutely 1,000% believe that we will see Scully in jeans. Both myself and Crystal Ball feel fucking fantastic about it. We cannot wait. We hope that there is an acid wash in some of the jeans that we see Scully wear. What other outfits do you see in her future? I'm going to keep this short and sweet as well because I could go on forever. But what I will tell you is that we are doing a live recording in Boston of an episode called Darkness Falls. I've not seen that episode because, as I've told you, I've only seen 16. Jenny has purchased me a garment to wear to the Boston show. And I don't know (laughs) what it is. I just know that it is a piece of outerwear that I will be given before I hit stage in Boston. So I'm going to imagine that at the very least, Scully wears some kind of wild wild piece of outerwear this season we've already seen her in a white puffer coat in ice so i'm curious what she'll be wearing this time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you megan uh megan does spell the name with an e not a backwards three so i do think this is a person not a dancing robot thank god God. well Kristen, jenny I would say the status of this X-File is salamandarily regenerating its missing bits. Wow. Delicious. <laughs> is it? <laughs> hey, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not watching the X-Files or Buffy, I am usually writing and recording songs. In fact, I have a brand new single that came out yesterday called It's Later Than You Think from my forthcoming album avalanche out uh 922 you can listen to that wherever you stream music you can pre-order the album and you can also get tickets for my fall tour which will be hitting new york dc philly chicago los angeles san francisco portland and seattle at jennyowenyoungs.com you can give me a shout on twitter instagram tiktok threads blue sky that's all ridiculous all at jenny owen youngs what that's ridi- that's a ridiculous list of social media handles. And one day I can't wait to play it back to you and we can all have a good laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll be like blue hoomst. <laughs> like what? Um, I am Kristen Russo. You can learn about the work that I do when I'm not watching Buffy or Yellow Jackets or the X-Files, which is usually uh, working with 
or for LGBTQ communities, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can find me also using that spelling on Instagram, threads, and TikTok, though I only have one talk, but I've been tempted to do a second talk, so anything could happen. Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast, or you can drop us an email. It's also on threads. You can drop us an email. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. If you miss us and there's a social media platform that you use, we're probably on it. Oh, my God. You can also email us at hello at BufferingCast.com or write to the crystal ball at crystalball at BufferingCast.com. You can support the work that we do here on Patreon. We very recently posted our seventh episode covering Buffy season eight. We're having a great time going through the comics over there. We do live watches. It's a good time. Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. And of course, if you like us, you could leave us a review. And we have separate feeds for our shows now. So that means that Baby X-Files feed and Baby Doomcoming feed don't have reviews. So if you don't like us, don't go anywhere fucking near those reviews. And if you do like us, please go over there and give us a good review. Thank you so much. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and LaToya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time. The pod, the pod is, is out, out there. there. A classic. Regenerating. Oh. <laughs> hear someone call your name and you turn but no one's there and a shiver runs down your spine when something moves just out of vision and it sets in do you know that feeling good it means you're paying attention micah jones set out to record a podcast about her recurring nightmares all she wanted was to finally get some sleep Instead, unnerving coincidences began to pile up, and someone from her past resurfaced to recount a story that upended her world. I'm Micah Jones. My friends and I stumbled onto something much darker, something we were never meant to find out. My dreams aren't just dreams. They're memories. Warnings. I should have paid closer attention. The How It Ends podcast is no longer releasing in real time. We can't. It isn't safe. But if you're just finding us, start at the beginning. Thank you for listening. Find how it ends wherever you get your podcasts.